Welcome to the Six O'Clock Swill, a playful oasis on a continent in the grip of a woke-induced humour drought. Uh, Tim Blair joins us from his tour of the Outback, road testing a VW Polo. Fred Paul is on the line from Leafy Wallara. Simon Collins is in the back of a Singapore Airlines flight somewhere between Singapore and Heathrow. Uh, I'm Nick Cater. Uh, broadcasting this week from Sydney. Later on, we'll be joined by Senator Alex Antic from Adelaide, a staunch opponent of vaccine and COVID lunacy, newly released from detention in a four-star Adelaide hotel for vaccine non-compliance. We'll be taking a look at the 50 most influential people in Australia's least consequential state. (laughs) And we'll be considering the prospect of the wokest Christmas on record as Mr. Potato Head is purged of his toxic masculinity and Barbie the Dole delivers a lecture on the evils of racism. Welcome, welcome Fred to the show, uh, back from a honeymoon. I can see that glow of the happily married man radiating from your picture. <laughs> oh, Matty, thank you. I, I hope this glow continues for decades. It, it, it eventually is replaced by the resignation and just getting down to the rest of your life. <laughs> you make it sound so in- enticing, Tim. <laughs> yeah, well, let's get Bella Debrera, your wonderful wife, on the call later. But first, Christmas. Uh, Father Christmas is proving particularly problematic as they say uh, not just on account of his name but because he's old white and male and, and probably transphobic I would imagine uh, the Dutch have made a move to inclusivity years ago by bringing in Schwarter Pete or Black Pete uh, a person of colour who helps Sinterklaas hand out the presents but of course Schwarter Pete now is the target of a vicious woke attack for perpetuating negative negative stereotypes of black people during the colonial era and using blackface. She's been condemned by the United Nations for promoting discriminatory practices and stereotypes. Uh, But it's a misunderstanding, I I gather. Uh, Pete's defenders say that his blackface is not blackface. It was acquired scrambling down a chimney. That's all very well, but now the Dutch Parliament has passed a bill to phase out coal from the country by 2030. I don't think that weak excuse... It's going to last too long. Tim, how do you see that? I mean, is Father Christmas redeemable or should we just give him up? Well, wasn't his, the process of westernising Father Christmas and the creation of Santa Claus, wasn't the Coca-Cola Corporation very central to all of that? Yeah, I believe. And that's why that's that accounts for the red, right? It's branding. Yes. So that, that might be yet another mark against old St. Nick. But um, Black Peter sounds... Sounds like a decent sort of helper, like getting down, actual doing the chimney work, because that was always the thing that troubled me as a child, the idea of Santa's robust dimensions mm. and the typically narrow confines of a, you know, just it literally made no sense at all that that fat bastard's going to get down there with the gifts of the, of the, of the calibre I deserve for being an excellent child. Yes. So if you've got Black Peter prepared to, you know, do the, <laughs> do the you know, the 17th century chimney sweep sort of deal... Oh, more strength, more strength to the urchin. Uh, but this reminds me of a case, and I, I sent you guys a note about this earlier. There was a case in 2019 when um, a pub in some coal mining state in the in the US had decorated one of its bars with old timey mining photographs, and of course they're old timey miners. They're all black. They're covered in coal, <laughs> and uh, patrons complained because they said it's blackface, guys. Even if it's not intentional, it's entirely. Uh, career related and environmental related but uh, you know there was an almighty hullabaloo over over coal miners 
mining coal and therefore breaking the law some century after their deaths or breaking moral codes anyway. Yeah. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I'm still dreaming of a black Christmas. <laughs> of course. Uh, it, what The one that gets me in this politically correct world we're inflicting on our kids is Barbie. I mean, she used to be you know, quite a pleasant doll, I used to think, when my sister had one years ago. <laughs> but uh, she's now... You hastily added that, didn't you, Nick? My, when my sister had one, yes. <laughs> she's recorded an insufferable YouTube video to talk about racism yeah. with her friend Nikki, who's a DOC, or doll of colour. <laughs> okay. True story. It's important to have ongoing conversations about standing up to racism, says Barbie. Apparently, um, Barbie's non-gender-specific birth parent, that's Mattel Inc., mm. yeah. has uh, got more ambitions than just producing a return to shareholders. Uh, they say their mission is to leverage the brand to help girls understand that there is a huge movement going on in the fight against racism. My goodness. It's childhood, for goodness sake. Can't we just let kids be? Absolutely. Am I sounding like an old bloke? No, no, no. You sound like a sensible bloke, but often that's one and the same thing. Um, remember that old movie, Sarah? I can't remember what it was from. It was some comedy where a family was, you know, a daughter had convinced the family to take her to the Barbie Museum, and it turned out to be the Klaus Barbie Museum. <laughs> what, was, what, was, what was that from? Maybe there should be a Klaus Barbie doll. Oh, there probably is somewhere on the internet. They go down, they sell well in Argentina, I think. I'm, I'm genuinely surprised at the resilience of Barbie given we've had a few decades of PC and woke in different forms. But but Barbie has weathered all of that. And only now Barbie is beginning to sort of cave a little bit and Mattel are beginning to recast her. Well, where's G.I. Joe on all this? Where's, where's um, Ken? Sorry, not G.I. Joe. Where's... Yeah, Ken, Ken, yeah. It must, be, it must be at some gay nightclub. Yes, yes. Ignoring poor Barbie and she's uh, she's had to find some crusade of her own. Fred, it's not Ken, it's not Ken anymore. It's Caroline. <laughs> oh no no no! Ken still has a place in the Barbie universe as the beard. Surely right. that's his role. You don't. So you buy your Barbie and it says beard sold separately, and then you get your Ken. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how it works? I'd like to be in the in the Mattel factory when they are deciding what shade of black Barbie's new friend is going to be. I mean, oh, that's a good call. Surely they were they were focused grouping it and too Mexican, black it up. <laughs> like you're going to get into a lot of trouble, aren't you? And and there'll be all manner of um, cross cultural disputes. Exactly. Uh, you might have to be like it might be a in a buy to order sort of thing. Yes. You might yes. have to request it. But I mean, there was an awful situation a few years ago. It might come with it's, a it's, dial it's... on its back. It just changes color on request. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, chameleon Barbie, you know. So, but there was an awful situation a few years ago when someone objected to the sale of gollywogs. They were in the front window, the gollywogs of this particular craft store, and um, a representation was made to the owners of the store. You can't be having these gollywogs in the front of the store, so they were moved to the back of the store. Uh, Does that remind you of anything? Like that, mm, bring back memories of uh, mm, Selma, Alabama. Yeah. Go to the back of the bus. Yeah. yeah, it's like that. Uh, there's a primary school in the in the United States right now that has a separate uh, play night for black children. That's yeah, I saw that. Yeah, the the people of color evening. So yeah, that's it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Barbie turned sixty two this year, uh, and I'll say this for she hasn't lost her figure, has she? 
No. Fantastic. She should release a diet book. <laughs> yes. That'd it'd, be it'd, it'd, Yeah, like two pieces of lettuce and a freaking... <laughs> and, and a, a tic-tac. I bet it's all the cigarettes she smokes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's the yeah. supermodel diet. <laughs> cocaine and cigarettes. <laughs> a piece of... Cocaine, cigarettes, and a Tic Tac. <laughs> but like a few years ago, there was an exhibit at uh, the Smithsonian in Washington. One of the only reasons to go to Washington. And it was looking back at, you know, some anniversary of events in Selma, Alabama and elsewhere. And they had segregated entrances. So they, they were recreating the authentic sort of awful Southern experience. So white coloured. And then they had the actual counter from an old timey segregated uh I guess they'd call it a drugstore, we'd call it a milk bar or whatever. And, you know, coloured sitting here, white sitting there. But now they're formalising that and they don't see what they, they don't see how similar it is to the horrors of separation that existed before. They're putting in place exactly the same separations and applauding it as good. And it strikes me yeah. as sick. Yes, and now we're doing it with the vaccinated, unvaccinated. Oh, yeah, through one door, yeah. through another door. Exactly. Good call, Fred. Mm. Very good. Well, look, the East, the East Coast gas price is through the roof here, right? I was talking to a, a farmer in the week who was complaining that he just had a letter telling him that he's... They actually warned him in advance, which I suppose is good of them, that his gas bill is going to be up by $500 a quarter from next year. Yes. What? I don't know what he's doing. Probably milking cows or something. They take a lot of gas. But, uh, Fred... Uh, Surely everybody, even in the eastern suburbs of Sydney, even in those beachside suburbs of Bondi and uh, and Coogee where you you frequent uh, uh, with your surfboard, even they would want cheaper gas, right? Well, Nick, that, that it seems a reasonable proposition, but I'm afraid you would be mistaken because uh, this week the Prime Minister... Uh, scuttled an application to explore for gas off the New South Wales coast, in fact. And uh, it was led by Liberal politicians. The application was opposed by a motley group of environmentalists and wealthy real estate owners who were spooked by the prospect of a gas drilling rig temporarily spoiling their million-dollar ocean views. Three Liberal politicians from coastal electorates adjacent to the proposed exploration area, Lucy Wicks, Jason Falinski and Dave Sharma, led the opposition to the application. And you, can't, you can hardly blame them. I can. I mean, they've, they've seen what oh. Darling Stegall did to Tony Abbott in Warunga in 2019. So, you know, these days, traditionally, safe Liberal seats are heavily occupied by people who are drawn to causes mm. that alleviate the guilt they feel for living in multi-storey houses and driving around city streets <laughs> in cars originally designed for pulling cows out of muddy paddocks. <laughs> yes, that's a very good call. There's a lot of Land Rover discoveries around these suburbs and they've and the only only mud they've ever seen is the spray-on variety you get at uh, you get at the car parts shop. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, to keep, I mean, liberals need to keep these seats. These are traditional liberal seats, but to to do it, they need green credentials. And opposing an offshore gas exploration is is handing those credentials to them on a silver platter. But this leaves a dilemma for the prime minister, of course, as you guys would know. Um, part of the Prime Minister's net zero plan includes using gas to power energy production. It was a big part yes. of it. So, uh, in fact, he told the mining industry in June this year that gas is a, quote, 
key to securing reliable, affordable energy in a transitioning energy market moving to a new energy economy, unquote. But, but this particular gas project suddenly this week became wrong for what he called pristine beaches, which is him just, you know, but, sort of uh, agreeing, right. agreeing to the fact that these people have paid a fortune, but he doesn't seem to acknowledge the fact that a pristine beach remains pristine regardless of whether there is a leak from a gas drill somewhere over the horizon, which is where I love this pristine gas breach. I mean, I know this is the language that the campaigners always use, but I mean, presumably this gas is some way distance and uh, it's gas for goodness sake. I mean, it's a gas. It's a gas. <laughs> exactly. Yes. I think we should be support. I think we should be supportive of anything that's transitioning. <laughs> <laughs> I think if you're going to express your bigotry in this brutal manner towards a, an industry that's just a bit confused, <laughs> that's, that's, that's looking for its identity, that it's, it wants to transition to what it really believes yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, well, yes. exactly. Yeah. Give, give, the, give the power industry a chance to live its best life. Maybe it should tell us what its preferred pronouns are. I mean, that we'd be in less confusion then. <laughs> We've got to empower power. <laughs> the gas isn't a transitioning fuel it's a real fuel and, and you know what happened in the states you know as soon as they opened up fracking oh come on how big of it is that it's a real fuel next you'll be saying the same thing about genders <laughs> i can see this conversation going nowhere sensible but your point's right fred there, there's a rule isn't there the richer they are the greener they get and and, and that's same the world over. I know they say correlation isn't causation, but in this, I think it's beyond doubt now that the richer you are, the more guilt you feel for living such a, a prosperous life. And you, yes. the only way you can alleviate, alleviate it is by voting in someone like Zali Stegel. Also, I think it's just good for the wealthier segment of the community in total to occasionally be reminded of where their wealth comes from. I mean, I, I remember when vegetarians and vegans would yell at me about, you know, you wouldn't be a meat eater, Tim, if you didn't, if you saw how meat was produced. Well, you know, <laughs> I grew up on farms, so you know, don't worry about that. Uh, but it's, it's, it's not bad advice. Mm. I don't mind that at all. Uh, it's not a bad point of view. But I also think that wealthy people should not shun that which produces general wealth. Uh, Australia is massively enriched by power sources and our abundant supplies of energy. And uh, for these people who want to turn their backs on it is, I think, disgusting. I was chatting with uh, Nick earlier about the famous old Ripping Yarns episode, Fred, uh, the Barnstonworth United episode, where uh, Palin, Michael Palin's character wants to get his old uh, regional soccer club up again, and he enlists the support of the wealthiest man in town who happens yeah. to be a scrap metal baron. And this scrap metal baron delightfully... Is, uh, is depicted assembling piles of scrap metal in his living room with his wife. This is a guy who didn't shun that which developed, that, that which delivered his wealth. He actually rejoiced in it. He loved yeah. scrap. Well, that's right. I, I think that they should be made to, you know, self-sufficiency, a little bit more self, self-sufficiency when it comes to obtaining petrol for their Porsche Cayenne. They should be made to drill for it themselves, don't you think? They should drill for themselves. Yes, a lot of this protest against these this mm. offshore mining for gas and oil over the past two or three years has been led yeah. by of all of all demographics surfers and 
Tim, I love that phrase, you know, um, they shouldn't shun that which they benefit from. Surfers shouldn't shun that which surfboards yeah. are made of. <laughs> <laughs> surfboards and wetsuits are made from yes. oil byproducts. So the, the, the level of hypocrisy is just through the roof on this one. Yep. Yeah, right. I, I, you shot me. I thought it was bamboo and soybeans they were made of. No. <laughs> and funnily enough, the, you know, some of the most prominent members of this protest are, are former, the key word former, <laughs> pro-surfers. They wouldn't have protested it while they were on tour yeah. because they would have been protesting against the materials they use in their trade and the fuel that, that allows them to fly from one contest location to another. It's only until they're in retirement that they're suddenly discover this this abhorrence they have for the oil and gas industry it's mm, funny mm. That. we've already talked about this pristine beaches it's always a pristine beach isn't it no that never a sort of slightly ordinary beach. yeah the other one they use is they don't want to um there's a whale super highway my view is if you've got to build a super highway for whales they're hardly endangered we probably said about culling a few <laughs> <laughs> When I first heard that phrase, whale superhighway, I was all in favour of it because I thought it was a superhighway made from whales, which would be great. Beats tarmac or every time. Like you get, the, you know, yay, you know, the the, the moribund flensing industry would, re, would, would be restored to Australia's coastal cities and locations. You know... For, for how long? For how long must our scrimshaw yeah. community be deprived of method yes. of displaying their art? It's it's a cruel thing when yes. when the whale yes. industry closes uh, that's, down. I suppose we're going to take a break here. We'll be back in a minute with Senator Alex Antic. Sometimes you think it would be nice if the world took a little bit more notice of what's happening in Australia, but uh, right now I wonder if we should be hoping they notice us a little less. Listen to this from the Tucker Carlson show on Fox News recently. If you think of Australia as a beautiful place filled with nice people, which it still is, it's almost beyond conception what is happening there right now. It's an Australian senator who has been critical of COVID restrictions, was recently forced into a quarantine camp despite testing negative for COVID repeatedly. And now the government of Australia, which he has criticized, just sent him a $4,000 bill while he's in detention. Hard to believe it's real, but it is. That Senator Alex Antic joins us now. Mr. Antic, thanks so much. Everything about this is impossible to believe, given the very warm and positive feelings most Americans, including me, have for your country. Are we overstating any of this? Uh, no, look, you're not. Or I was told that uh, upon my return from my job uh, in Canberra, which you'll know is uh, effectively our Washington, uh, yes. I would be uh, asked to come into, well, told, I should say, to come into a Medi hotel, which in Australian parlance is a hotel which has been turned into a detainment facility. Joining us from Adelaide, celebrating freedom for the first time in a fortnight, Senator <laughs> Alex Antic. Welcome, Alex. Freedom Day. Freedom Day. Thanks, Nick. Look, tell us, what happened? You're, you're essentially uh, arrested at the airport. You, you've been sitting, for, let's get the, the context, you've been sitting for two weeks hmm. in the Senate, mm -hmm. and uh, and on your way back through Adelaide Airport, 
they arrested you. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's the that's the the mercifully abbreviated version there for our own for my for my mental health. Um, so thank you for doing that. But no, look, you're right. We um we've been sitting for two weeks, and I mean, in that time, the rules changed for the 457th time this month uh, with the public health directions. Uh, and uh, they, they introduced the entry safe or entry check SA system, I think it's called, and it required you to fill in all sorts of information. You know, uh, you know your, your favourite football team. I'm being facetious here, but you know, a whole <laughs> heap of information that was really no one's business. Uh, and I was originally declined, and they said, "No, you may not come back to your home state where you pay taxes and live and have a family." And uh, extraordinary. Uh, what was your error, Alex? What, what mistake had you made? Well, I, I think I, I think indulging the bureaucracy was probably the first error, but um, uh, but I, I I don't I mean look I don't know they, they they flipped it all through and I did it again it's a client again, so I said hang on I'm you know every other time I've been an essential traveller you know or whatever the category is yeah. and there is a category for that, uh, and so you know as I was just about to 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 go um, the message came through that yes we're very graciously allowing you to come home to your home state but in a medi hotel. And I thought, well, for 14 days, and I thought, well, that's a bit tough. Every other time that we've quarantined, I've quarantined at home or not at all. But, you know, I yeah. always do what I'm told because I'm a good citizen. Uh, and um, so uh, 10 minutes later, I got a call from a journalist who knew all about it in the same detail. Isn't that a shock? I was, I was stunned. I was, I was so stunned. I never, <laughs> I never thought. Of course, it comes hot on the heels of a fairly lengthy campaign um, of uh, questioning what, what, what these decisions are. Simple questions yeah. like, can you please show us the medical advice that you're relying on to, yeah. to make us uh, stand 1.5 metres apart, but only in a pub, uh, one metre in a gym, take off your mask, pat your tummy and rub your head or rub your head yeah. and pat your tummy or whatever it is. Yeah, so it's on alternate days, yeah, it changes. Yeah, on alternate days, yeah. sometimes wearing different shades of aubergine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so I, so I'd asked that question and upscaled it to the ombudsman the week before. I don't think it had gone down very well. I had a bit of history with SA Health as well, who I've found to be objectionable on most <laughs> levels. Uh, mm. uh, so, uh, you know, here we are, the press were tipped off and there were no exclusions made and the interesting thing about it is that there is actually the discretion for the head honchos of that organization to allow home quarantine because of course they engineered the home quarantine app which is something you might see in uh, out of the confines of uh, Xinjiang in in, uh, in China which is a, an app for your phone I think it's coming out in other jurisdictions or come out in other jurisdictions. Oh yes yes uh, uh, this is the one where you um, sign up and you get randomized calls to make sure you're um, within the vicinity and if you don't answer within a certain time that's when the, yeah. that's when the black that's vans appear. That's when the, the van with the uh, you know, FBI on the side of it or comes up and knocks <laughs> on your door or whatever it is you know Fred's bakery inspector. <laughs> I, I get I get randomized calls from people trying to sell me energy deals or life insurance all the time <laughs> never never have i wanted an energy deal more than the uh, covid period no we get phone calls from the <laughs> but but in any event um uh, it, it didn't they didn't i didn't get that opportunity so okay. off you go and i spent 14 days there with no right of recourse at six negative covid tests mm. and uh well, you should, you, should, you should study harder if you keep failing. Come on. You know, <laughs> it's, a, it's a bit of a miserable effort. I mean, six times, that's worse than my sister's effort getting a driver's licence. I, I kept telling them, spin that PCR one more time. You might find anything. You might tell me I'm pregnant. Who knows? It was probably the pizzas you got delivered to your hotel room. <laughs>
<laughs> Actually, many, about three or four in the end. But, um, yeah, I don't think it's done the waistline any help. Yeah, well, there, there's your problem right there, mate. Yeah, those South Australian pizzas, they're... They're, they're, they're pretty fancy. They don't just go for bait. Yeah, yeah. They, they start off at, you know, uh, at, at, at uh, Gourmet and move up from there. They're not like your crappy East Coast pizzas, are they? They're very... No, you're not getting any McCain stuff in this town, I tell you. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So, Alex, we're laughing at this because we're just used to these nutty stories, aren't we? I mean, it, it, yours is just one of a dozen stories we would have heard in the last two days of similar ridiculous decisions by the bureaucracy, no rhyme or reason, uh, completely outside normal democratic process, no application of the rule of law or normal judicial process, none of that applies. We think it's normal here, but I was shocked because I heard, heard you interviewed by Tucker Carlson the other day from the States, hmm. and he obviously thought it was extraordinary. It was like he was interviewing some political prisoner from Xinjiang yeah. or something, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it was a bit. He, Tucker's got this particular look where he, 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 which he portrays, which is one of shock and horror. And I think we may have reached peak <laughs> shock and horror. He, he just couldn't. He, <laughs> the Americans couldn't believe it. I mean, they, they really just couldn't. And I think it was, you know, it was the sort of the, the inconsistency. They're particularly interested in the quarantine yeah. camps and the one up in the, in the Northern Territory and the lady Haley up there who, who was actually taken from her house, I think, and, and because she was wa walking with someone who may have had COVID. Yeah. So they're pretty fascinated by all this sort of stuff, and Tucker was, but um, yeah, it, I don't know. I think we are getting a bit desensitized to these stories. I, I think this really is an example of what happens when you throw the keys mm. to the bureaucrats, frankly. Yeah. You know, they, they, they live to invent rules and layers of regulation. You can almost see the, the SA Health, uh, um, you know, more boardroom around where there's 17 people all throwing in their idea and nobody's nobody's game to say listen daryl that's a that's a shocking idea uh, because they will be accused of bullying um so you know it, it's just, i mean it really is just layer upon layer now i think and we're seeing that and, and it's it's yeah. it's just you know over the two-year period it has had exploded and and i and i joke about the 422 different um you know changes but there have literally been hundreds of public health directions in this state and nobody can keep up. I can add a little anecdote um, from the Queensland border with New South Wales where I was recently just last week and um, I was in the area and um, you know being a freedom lover and curious about what's happening to this country my wife and I went and just visited the border to see if it is as bad as people are saying and we were standing at, at what looks like Checkpoint Charlie right in the middle of uh, the Gold Coast on between Coolangatta and the Tweed and um, we were standing there staring at the cops, you know, passing these cars through. Mm. And they looked back at us and uh, they said, Are you guys all right? And I said, yeah, mate, I'm just looking at Australians dividing each other, mm. you know, cynical thinking that they'd take the bait. And this, this cop came over and he actually wanted to have a chat. He was actually yeah. a very, very decent Queensland copper <laughs> who thought the whole thing was a bunch of crap. And he said, Look, mate, if, if you can't, if you don't want to cross the border here, hmm. you know, you can just walk up the hill and just jump over the, over the orange barrier. He was actually encouraging us to break the law. <laughs> uh, good on him. So, you know, at the top level, you know, th there's a lot of insanity, but down among the ordinary people, I think we're really sorting it yeah, out. Yeah, I, 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 I absolutely agree with that. I think that's a very good observation. In fact, uh, you're right, uh, Nick, about the uh, the airport. Um, in, but it, the only thing was, I actually went up to the bloke at the airport and said, oh, mate, listen, I've, I've got to go off to a Medi hotel. Can you help me? Oh, yeah. He said, oh, hang on a minute. And they sort of, no one could find it. You know, I could have run off at any time. But, you know, everyone was very good. And in fact, the lady police officer who 
who was the one, there were some photos that were, were spread all over our local newspaper, the beloved Adelaide Advertiser, always telling the truth, um, uh, that, uh, that, that sprayed it all around to make it look like there was some sort of scrum going on. But in actual fact, I was chatting to her about the fact that she had now lost her local prize because she was the first one of that sitting period which which got on TV. So she she was now required to provide a carton or something. So <laughs> we were joking about that. She was fantastic and she she was basically saying to me, oh, I'm sorry about all this, but this is just the way it's got to be. So you're spot on. I mean, the, the rank and file think this is as ludicrous as us. The people we need to be asking questions of are the high paid bureaucrats who are sitting up in their ivory towers who have absolutely no appreciation for what real Australians are thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Alex, um, just on uh, your chat with Tucker Carlson, I remember a great description of Tucker's resting shocked face as uh, looking, he looks as though he's watching someone eating mayonnaise directly from a jar. <laughs> he just has this appalled kind of expression, but entirely justified when you're describing Australia's response to COVID. And another thing that's surprising about Australia's response is that we've apparently lost the ability to examine other nations and other, other, uh, other governments and to work out, oh, this has happened over here, they use these measures, this didn't happen, that did happen. There's no comparative ability anymore. We just, mm. We're just winging it, and we're only comparing Australian states to other Australian uh, states. There's masses of evidence from Europe and the US about you know, masks not mm. maybe being a sensible thing, that certain area things, even within the US, just uh, on, on one particular coast, the East mm. Coast, you've got Florida and New York, you can make the direct comparisons. Why have we lost this ability? Oh, that's a good question. I, I think, um, I mean, maybe it's because we're an island and we're just looking at each other over here and listening, but you, you're absolutely right. And we've got the examples of the sorts of things that Japan have done with vaccine mandates as well. They've effectively just tuck, chucked them out the window as they should. Um, and look, I don't know. I mean, I, I, you, you, you wonder what the rationale for that is. Of course, if you look at Western Europe, there are even worse examples of um, restrictions and lockdowns and you know yeah. so on and so forth but there are the examples of Sweden and Norway that have taken a very different line Taiwan of course and this happened from the start I mean, we, we used to, were talking about Taiwan's response from the get-go so look I don't know but uh, once again I, I would suspect all roads lead to bureaucrats in this it's my B of the week and uh, I, you know I think we are perhaps uh, in politics listening too much to the public service when we should be forging our own path in my view Absolutely. We've given them a lot of power and they're not letting it go. Go for it, That's right. Now, Alex, I think what we've forgotten in this country or, or perhaps never realised is just how dangerous an overpowered um, bureaucracy is. Your family has direct mm. uh, connection with this. I mean, communism is no smaller a phenomenon today than it was a generation ago. But, you know, in your um, maiden speech, you, you talked at length about... Um, the lessons we can learn from, you know, your grandparents who 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 were raised in communism. Why have we forgotten those lessons? Mate? Yeah, that's the that's the theme of this 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 sort of period. I think, in a sense, so what I find most extraordinary is the people that are most vocal about it are often from Eastern Europe. That the freedom rallies seem to be populated by Serbian, Croatian, Bulgarian, Hungarian flags. People that have lived through it, and the people have said it to me multiple times. You know, we've seen yeah. this before, and. It, I think it's becoming eerily familiar for people that have lived through communist bloc lives. And and look, my grandma... Mate, mate, that was very definitely the case with the CFMEU in Melbourne. Very definitely the case. It wasn't, yeah, 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 yeah. I, and it's, it's sort of a really noticeable little sub-factor that hasn't sort of been 
talked about at length yet, but it's really noticeable to me. And I, I, I just, <laughs> I, I don't know. My grandma, if she was alive today, other than smoking a pack and a half of more cigarettes, would... Uh, God bless her. Yeah. Uh, one, lit one right <laughs> off the other. She would, uh, she would be appalled because it would take her, would take her right back to, um, you know, to Belgrade in 1949, where yeah. she left because effectively Uh-oh. she was mouthing off about the communists. And my dad was in his usual indiscreet manner, taking it to school and then repeating it to the teachers. So, I mean, that's a bit like now. I mean, the doctors are saying the same thing. Opera, just leaning on them. You you can't say that about this, you know. So we're seeing those themes now. I mean, we don't want to be too alarmist about it, but certainly the flavours are there. And I think think it's all a bit eerily familiar for the Eastern Bloc. Yeah, Alex, we've already been talking on this programme about the most influential people of 2021 in South Australia ranked by the advertiser, your fine local newspaper. In fact, it's where mm. Fred and I used to work when it was a broadsheet mm. a long time back. But, <laughs> but here's the point, right? So you would hope the most influential person in South Australia is the man elected as Premier, the man who heads the government. Or, or woman, Nick, before you get cancelled. Mm. A, a woman, yes, the person, the the thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the thing who we elect, but it, yeah. So Stephen Marshall, uh, number two on the power list. Number one, Grant Stevens, the police chief, and number three, the health. Uh, what she call herself? The health officer, Nicholas Spurrier, the woman who's frightened of footballs. So uh, that says it all, doesn't it? I don't think the advertisers got it wrong on this occasion. No, I don't think they have. And, and I mean, that is the point I think that need, you know, needs to be made. I mean, this is what our parliament has done here. They have thrown the keys to the bureaucrats. And um, and that is true. I, the, the, the most, if you take the, the view that the most um, topical uh, part of our life at the moment is the, the COVID response, COVID management, it's certainly shaping everything about our economy, our society, then, then really the person that pulls the strings on that is the police commissioner. He is the state controller pursuant to the Emergency Management Act, and he, he is the person that signs the public health directions. Um, so I, th- I think that's very accurate, and that is the danger. And, and I'm not, certainly not criticising uh, Grant Stevens because I, I think in many respects he has been, um, you know, a, a voice of reason in, in some of these matters, um, you know, as I understand it. But um, but, you know, certainly it is a lot of power to be put in the hands of one person. We may not always be so lucky as to have someone, um, you know, who is who is taking a, a reasonable view on some of these things. And, I, and you know, I, there's, a, there's a whole infrastructure behind that one person. But ultimately, uh, the power rests on his signature. And it's a, it's a, I, I think it's a dangerous precedent. This is something a lot of people in a lot of states have got to think about is that... Um... Uh, yeah, sure, you might be on the Labor side, you might be on the coalition side, and you might be supporting their various ministers, and you might be supporting, more importantly, the legislation. But legislation remains. And it, and it, it might be the other team who's then got that legislation, and they might not be quite so friendly. They might, they might not be as sympathetic to your, your side of politics. So you've got to always watch, worry about, you know, you've got to, you've got to put, uh, you've got to grandfather these suckers and make sure that they've, uh, they're going to time out. We, we need, I mean, I talk about this all the time, and it's all very esoteric and not very helpful, but we, we need a liberty audit. Good call. We need yeah. to understand what, what we've lost and then how we get it back. And we need to hold, hold Parliament accountable to that so that we're not just allowing the drift. I mean, I know that that is going to happen, and I, and I object to it in the strongest terms, continuing to hold mm. QR codes, continuing to contract trace for no idea. My great fear out of all of this is that we will become complacent to yeah. this sort of intrusion in our lives. And we will ultimately end up with 
other applications of the same theme, which might be yeah. a supermarket shopping app, which tells you you can only have one steak yeah. for the week because of climate change. You know, mm. you, you can sort of see it coming. Uh, and at the moment, it's a tinfoil hat conspiracy, a bit like vaccine passports were uh, 12 months ago when we first started railing against them. But ultimately, I, I just we can't get used to this. And it's going to take a strong will from the political class to push back and to take those powers back and to sell it to the public as well, because you know, we're, we're well over this two weeks to flatten the curve time. Well over. How likely is that, though, Alex, the, uh, 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 an audit of our liberties and a campaign to reinstate them? How I just can't see it happening, to yeah. be honest. Or you know, no. with all credit to you. Yeah, look, as I say, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a dream. You know, the dream and the reality, the dream and the nightmare, as you say. But that's what we should be doing. But, but I agree with you because we see this every time. People often cite the example of the Homeland Security Act in the United States out of the ashes of 9/11, and of course, most of those powers remain. And that is the problem with gifting them in the first place. And that is why there were a very small but vocal minority who were objecting to this at the time. And um, you know, history repeats itself, and so no, I think I think you're right, Fred. I don't I don't think uh, I, I don't, you know I hope I'm wrong about this, but I can't see the will there to, to to wind all of it back. That's for sure. Alex, last time we caught up in uh, South Australia, I think it was around about a year ago. Yeah. Remember, we had a we had a wonderful day trip to the Clare Valley and, right. and went to see those great, a terrific lunch with those great people, the O'Leary Walkers, and yeah, and stopped at all sorts of places along the way. I mean, what's happening to those places? I mean, they rely on tourism. Much of it, you know, people like me from interstate who come for the wonderful food and wine. Mm. I think, look, I think it's small business generally. We're, we're, I mean, I'm having, I've been, uh, I've been in, uh, uh, you know, Guantanamo Bay for the last two weeks, so I haven't, I haven't heard about that. I, I withdraw that. That's just, that's over the top. Um, but take it for the humour it was intended. Uh, yeah. But, um, but I, so I haven't really had much opportunity to see these new rules in action. But certainly, the the anecdotal evidence I'm hearing is that the, the publicans are, are worried, um, retailers are worried, people are just not leaving their homes because of the fear of, uh, you know, the, the, yeah. mainly the contact tracing is what I understand. And, the, and the, the, the fear of getting locked down again, the same with people coming here. People are just, I think, on increasingly worried about getting locked out of home when they come back. So that the effect on small business is real. And this is what many of us have been saying about the lockdowns. They've, they've got to stop. They've just, they've got to stop. They are, they are poisonous for small business. And, you know, in a state like SA where we do have a, you know, not, you know, we have a, a small but very vocal uh, small business community. I, I think we need to see them becoming more vocal. We've yeah. seen the, you know, the, the mm. some aspects of them speaking up, but not in unison. And I think the time's come. Well, Alex, I'm currently in uh, Melbourne, Victoria, having driven down here from uh, Sydney, and a lot of people who are travelling interstate. You know, the wise move now is always drive because then at least you can get out with a small amount of notice. Whereas yeah. uh, organising a, you know. A flight out is a lot more problematic, so that's a bit of travel advice for everybody there. You know, keep some <laughs> keep, keep, keep some wheels under you, and then at least you can get to Albury or or to the you know the other side of the Tweed. Every trip will be like the Griswold family Christmas. <laughs> yeah, well, that applies even when you're travelling alone. In my case, <laughs> <laughs> how did you manage two whole weeks in Pepper's Hotel in Weymouth? I I stayed there once, uh, and uh, I. I had a big night on the town with one of your colleagues uh, who showed me some whiskey bars, and uh, you might guess who it was. But yeah, I probably can. <laughs> but I woke up the next morning. I thought, "What's happened? I'm in a police cell. I've been arrested." <laughs> really? 
It's like yeah, that. that tiny <laughs> window looks out on a brick wall. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. Yeah, well, I was there at Her Majesty Nicholas Spurrier's pleasure, of course. So, um, <laughs> uh, so, um, so it did feel a little bit like it felt more like the Hanoi Hilton, actually. But um, um, well, what did I do? I, look, I think honestly, uh, you know, there's the old saying about when when life gives you lemons, you make lemonade out of it. And uh, you know, I spent my time effectively with saying thank you to the SA health bureaucracy for turning a very small amount of my life into an extraordinarily large amount of publicity about what they were doing to our state uh, and taking it to the world stage. So, um, you know, for those SA health bureaucrats that are listening, I'd like to pass on my thanks for that opportunity. It was very generous of you mm. to, to afford me that platform and afford the people that are being run through the mill by these policy decisions, the opportunity to get out there on the front foot and tell the world. So thank you. I, I think I think um, I think the modern saying is when life locks you up in an ad, in an Adelaide prison, you make number plates. <laughs> yeah, that's, right. that's, that's traditionally the item of manufacture in uh, in in those sort of situations. Yeah, banging out number plates is exactly what I was doing. But um, so and look and, and actually the truth is that there's a lot of work to do. There are a lot of emails to answer. There were a lot of calls to take, and it, and it actually you know went pretty quickly. But I would have rather been home. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, I paced the floors, and I actually spent most of the week trying to tunnel myself down to the ninth, from the ninth floor down to the first, you know, with a wooden spoon. Um, <laughs> and uh, you know, I didn't quite get there, so it was all pretty good. <laughs> well, actually, we won't keep you any longer. You're back with your family, your your terrific young family there, and uh, I gather you've got a bit of home maintenance to do that's been building up for you while you've been away. So <laughs> I can see it in front of me right now. So by the way. <laughs> Senator Alex Antic, thanks for joining us on the Six O'Clock Spoil. Yeah, thanks very much. Appreciate it. Senator Alex Antic. Now, Tim, you've been, as I explained at the top of the show, you've been uh, on a listening tour. Of, I think that's what we call it, a listening tour, uh, just getting in touch with the people of Australia, driving your... What are you driving a Volkswagen Polo for, Tim? I mean, it, it is my personal mode of transport. It's one of them. It's a, it's like a little oh, okay. it's like a little shopping cube. It's got just enough power to be you know not boring. It's the GTI version. You know, it's not entirely estrogen powered, oh, okay. but it's um, it's probably the least least um, appropriate vehicle for Australia's outback uh, outback highways, especially when it rains heavily. <laughs> Um, I, I, I've owned this car for some years. I've never driven on the highway in the in the in wet weather, and it turns out that um, aquaplaning is a real thing, and it really gets your attention at about you know, oh let's say you know 110. I'll keep it under the speed limit just for um, the purposes of uh, any legal uh, attention this uh, might uh, draw. But yeah, you can cross mm. a couple of lanes very quickly when uh, when you're aquaplaning in a, in a storm in a in a in an ill-equipped, uh, poorly uh, researched motor vehicle. Yeah, you hit the Barrier Highway, didn't you? That wonderful stretch of road. What is it, about 200 and something odd kilometres between um, Cobar and uh, Wilcannia and then a bit more to Broken yeah. Hill? You can basically get a get a bungee cord and just set the steering wheel straight and then crawl into the back seat and take a, you know, take a nap for a few hours. If it wasn't for the goats, the feral goats that wander across. No, there were goats. There were many goats. By the way, goat. I, I remember talking to your farmer friend a few weeks ago about, the, about how mm. expensive goat is. My God, there's a fortune waiting to be harvested out of that highway. Get out there, people with guns, and uh, bring back bring back some money. And what what what's the what what's the what's the pulse of the nation? I mean, you're talking people about. 
Well, my pulse rate was increased at one point, actually several points. Um, I was asked to provide in McDonald's. McDonald's. Twice asked to provide proof of vaccination. Proof of vaccination. So I didn't know that McDonald's staff had been deputised or uh, were now in charge of uh, policing our uh, our vaccination purity. So uh, watch out for that one, McDonald's um, customers. You've got to um, be all vaxxed up. And not only that, you've got to be able to prove it to the um, acceptable level of uh, a 19-year-old mm. kid behind a, a counter with one star on their little McDonald's badge. How rigorous was it, Tim? I mean, I, I know from... Uh, Not very. I know from a lot of people... <laughs> it was just... <laughs> that, uh, that the fake vaccination community is bigger than most bureaucrats realise. Mm. Yeah, they just like... It's just... It's pure theatre. It's just like... The, no one's writing any names down. No one's asking for um, proof of other ID to compare it. So it could be literally any name, any number, any batch or combination thereof. They just want to see that you've got something but on what your is, phone. What is? I'm still not quite sure what the danger is of an unvaccinated person going into McDonald's or anywhere for that matter. You know, uh, Alexander uh, Alexander Palaszczuk, the Premier of Queensland, said uh, earlier in the week that this was a. It was quite clear. She said this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. That's not the way it looks right now. That's I mean, dumb. we've had what? Uh, yeah. We're up to uh, 1,500 or something like that cases in Sydney because people have been free, frequenting nightclubs. Everybody going in a nightclub yeah. has to be vaccinated. So it, much more it seems to be a panic, pandemic of the vaccinated, if it's a pandemic at all. I think, I think the next time we get uh, asked for vaccination proof in McDonald's, we should be allowed to see the vaccination proof of the McDonald's I staff. think so. I think so. It could it could it could prolong the process a little. You might not earn any <laughs> friends in the in the queue behind you. Yeah. You know, but like I wanna see when did Mayor McCheese draw up this legislation? See how long's he been in charge? <laughs> and you know, the Hamburglar's a bit of a dodgy character. There's no way he's carrying around a valid phone. Yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> he's he's a literal He's a literal thief, yeah. and, and he's part of their community, and they're policing us. <laughs> Jesus, Christ. Ronald McDonald's got a he's lot to answer for. Checking the visas around here, Jesus Christ! Uh, you, you, Freddie, because you've been on a tour. We, we're not going to ask too many questions about it because it was your honeymoon. We'd love to ask questions, but we. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> it's great to see Bella joining you, Bella Debrera. Welcome, Bella, to the six o'clock swill. Thank you very much. I hope this. Uh, I hope the sound is is working from my little laptop. You, you've just you've just added about one million percent more class with your accent. <laughs> Thank you very much for that. That's terrific. Red, mm. You wrote a lovely letter in the week from for the IPA to your IPA subscribers about uh, just reflecting on your experience in Byron Bay, which is a you know for those people who aren't familiar with this part of the world is a how would you describe Byron Bay? It's a, a hippie town, isn't it? It's a it's a it's a place where oh, I, yeah. I turned up at the Byron Bay Writers Fest for one year and uh, and and got booed and jeered from start to finish, which was a, <laughs> which I thought was a bit rude because our paper was sponsoring the thing. But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm really I I, I did apologise about that, Nick. To be fair, <laughs> you, you can you struggle struggling with a mobile phone in Byron Bay, in my experience, because they. They think that the phone towers, you know, send off bad <laughs> waves and they won't build any new ones. But it's still that kind of place, isn't it, Bella? But well, I think you might get, I think you might get not not get booed quite as badly this time round if they knew your your stance on 
on uh, freedoms and uh, uh, the, the lockdowns of the last couple of years, you might find that they're, they're allies, which is what Fred, Fred and I found, which is that, you know, we walked into a vegetarian cafe. I started panicking, realized there was, realizing there was no bacon on the menu, but it was too late with orders. <laughs> Um, and, yep. um, and we realized we were actually amongst, amongst very strange bedfellows because, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm as far away from a vegan as you can possibly imagine. And, mm. um, uh, but, but everyone was maskless. Uh, we were never asked for our papers. We were never had to sign in. This is the last week while the rules were still in place. Um, yeah. and it was an absolute, it was a, such a respite from the last two years of just, you know, this constant, uh, surveillance that we've all been going through and it's. It's just extraordinary that we're now we're now on the same sort of the same pages as vegans and and hippies in uh, in Byron Bay. It's, it's amazing. This is a really important and significant point you've noticed, Bella, because there's a lot of boundaries that are moving and blurring, and it's not just uh, uh, the Byron Bay anti-vaxxers forming a solidarity ticket with the CFMEU, but you've got Clive Hamilton of the Australia Institute aligning with the, you know, the, our friend Andrew Bolt on uh, Chinese security issues. Yeah. Uh, when these sort of things happen, uh, if they happen at, at, at a large enough scale, you can get genuine and permanent realignments of right and left. Do you see anything um, emerging from that sort of thing or any other example? Well, yes. I mean, there's a very obvious example of the, the, the feminists who would have hated us 15 years ago who are now, um, mm. are now den denigrated as, as TERFs um, um, and, mm. and we are on the same side now saying that there's only two genders. Women exist. That's a great point. Uh, which is obviously now the, the worst thing you can say in, in, in public. So, I mean, that's, that's an extraordinary um, uh, alignment, and I don't think that will change. Uh, another yeah. one is obviously uh, Brendan O'Neill, who used to be a member of the Communist Party um, and a, and a self-proclaimed mm. Trotskyist, and, and he's now you know, an ally and, and, and a great fighter for freedom. So it's... The people who you would expect to be on your side, who are the um, academics and the the, the, the the political elite, are now um, are completely opposed to, to everything that we stand for. It's not really left or right anymore. It's it's just it's people who understand freedom and people who don't. And it's interesting on this thing we call woke, isn't it? That woke. Who's where that siren coming from? You must be from you, Tim. You're in Melbourne. I, I, I think they're coming <laughs> for me. Oh, dear. Well, let's get this over quickly before they do. But you know, over this woke thing, I mean, there's a there's a now substantial sort of force for resistance on the left uh, against wokeness. I mean, in uh, last month, when um, Virginia uh, fell to the Republicans, the Republican Glenn Youngkin, uh, James Carville, the the Democratic strategist, about as Democrat as you get, mm. they asked him why why they'd lost the governorship of of Virginia, and he said. This stupid wokeness. Some of these people need to get a go to a woke. De Sorry, you said some of these people need to go to a woke detox center or something, and that's for coming from the left. So yeah. maybe woke is a thing that's uh, pushing us together. Well, it's funny that that you know Byron Bay would be the place where they would go to do that detox. You know, I mean, it used to be a woke. You know, a woke sort of haven. Yeah. But now, it, it, I think I, I used to think that Byron Bay had kind of had its day. You know, I've I've been going up there for thirty years now, and the the last occasion was about four or five years ago, and I was like, oh, I'm over the place. It's just it's become it's almost become a parody of itself. But going up there this time with Bella just last week, I fell in love with the place again because 
you know, as you say, Tim and Nick, you was you said there's polling that reflects this in political polling that reflects this. Mm. There, that you know, we've we've kind of come full circle and and met you know on the other side. That mm. these people fundamentally appreciate freedom, and when they see threats, at, they stand their ground. And and Bella and I, being deeply conservative, found ourselves in um, in, in fantastically common company. We loved it. Well, I tell you what, if there is a woke detox happening in Byron Bay, we're the first one that doesn't involve wheatgrass. It's a real shift, man. It's flipped the whole whole paradigm's gone. I was initially rather rather sort of, I guess, I don't know, startled by your email to your subscribers. The title was uh, "Strange Bedfellows," and seeing as I, yes. you know, I knew you were up there for your honeymoon with Fred. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't help but agree, but I did think that. Uh, <laughs> Should I have entitled it "Strange Bedfellow"? Do you think instead? <laughs> Singularize it, yeah. Yes, but I think Fred is now using the the, the, the pronouns "they," so I had to make it plural. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Uh, no, it was it was extraordinary, and and um, and I'm very much looking forward to going back and uh, and 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 reliving the the, the freedom for a bit. It'll be good. Did you try to get over to Queensland, by the way, or was that just not allowed? Um, not allowed. I mean, I think uh, Fred Fred told the story earlier about how we could have actually gone a bit further down where the police went standing and and and, and mm. walked over the jumped mm. over the barrier. But um, the, the the problem is, what would happen to you on the other side if you were caught being there illegally? That's it's it was just far too 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 risky. Mm. So um, it's it's extraordinary just seeing this town divided in half by. A, a, a miniature orange Berlin Wall, which was presumably just put up overnight. So, um, yeah, you know, how did we get? Is, to is, it, is it kind of like you know the um, the Spinal Tap Stonehenge version of a Berlin Wall? Yes, it is. Where they've got the measurements a bit buggered up, and they've, yeah. they've gone with inches instead of feet. You know. Well, it is. You're right. I mean, it is. It is. It's some. You know, it's it's hardly the Berlin Wall, but. But the, the the implication and the message is abundantly clear. Cross this wall mm. and get caught on the other side, and you are in deep trouble. You know the fines yeah. from the Queensland side. The fines are extortionate. So you know people were you know people were obeying it. We saw group. We saw families sit, standing talking to each other from either side of the wall. I mean, they were getting close. They weren't ex exercising social distancing and they weren't wearing masks. So what the point was, I don't know. But <laughs> it remains. You know, I mean, they technically they were obeying the rules. Had they stepped that extra metre over the wall, they would have been up for thousands of dollars in fines. So, you know, the, I mean, you know, we laugh about it, but our, our, our overlords get the last laugh because if we get caught breaking these rules... Um, we're yeah. in, you know, we, we pay for it. Am I the only one who thinks we're making twits of ourselves in front of the whole world with this ridiculous stuff? I, I just did. Oh, no, it's ma it's massively embarrassing. If I ever leave <laughs> this country again, I'm, I'm going to, never going to admit that I've even been to Australia. Yeah, we'll be like those, we'll be like those Americans during the Gulf War who used to stitch <laughs> Canadian flags on their backpacks. Yes. You know, it is. It's incredible. Well, well, here's the thing, though. No one, no one's coming from New Zealand, Bella. They're not getting out. They're, they're spared their global embarrassment. Maybe we could dress yeah. up in penguin suits and pretend we're from the Antarctic. <laughs> Just slide down a few ice floes on our chests, and uh, and eat, eat raw raw sardines a couple of times a day, and, and don't fly right. anywhere. And then we can take the whale superhighway. 
<laughs> exactly. Yes. Anyway, uh, good good news, chaps. That we we um we uh, uh we we are we we reached twenty second spot on uh, news commentary on, in Australia on Apple Podcasts this week. That's pretty good. We're going up. We're going up. But who who's 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 the next one above us? Who do we have to smash? He didn't tell me, but I bet they're lefties. But anyway, we will. We'll march. We'll okay. march. We'll march on. And and this this means. Um, uh, I've had a couple of really nice emails actually, which I'll perhaps read out next time. Oh, that's but, good. but uh but we 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 need more friends. We need people to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and give us five stars and email your mates and tell them they they're missing out on something that they don't. Enjoy I, I think we should we should we should get someone on on in you know from the troubled border communities. Maybe we should put out a general call for people from there just to talk about you know if if there's someone who, for example lives on one side of the Queensland border and works on the mm. other side. These people who have historically become the most marginalised of Australians. Oh, oh, I heard recently there are, there are farmers whose properties straddle state borders. We could get one of those on. Yes, there are. Yes. Imagine, imagine needing a passport to, uh, to you know, shear the sheep. To, the to other coll- collect your mail. We could be the podcast that unites the nation, brings broken families together on the airwaves. That's yes. a really good idea. <laughs> yeah, or even better, like, you know, we could have uprising hour. Yes. We could coordinate something. That'd be cool. Let's storm the borders. With our, with, no, 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 this this week it could be the 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 what we were talking about earlier with Bella about um, these everything's up in the air at the moment. We don't know where the CFMEU and the and the Byron Bays and uh, the Turfs and the and the Pro Trans all these groups all their kind of political status is up in the air. We don't know where it's going to land. We can uh, we can play a role in that. I reckon. Yeah. Well, you've been listening to the Six O'clock Squill with uh, Tim Blair, Fred Paul. Myself, our special guest, Bella Debrera, and Senator Alex Antic. Simon Collins is in Europe. I'll be back. Uh, we'll be back again. Um, we'll see what we do next week. It's Christmas week. I haven't made a decision on that, but we should have a chat. We maybe do a Christmas special, but uh, let's make our minds up about that during the week. But thank you. To, we'll be back at some stage for another edition of the Six O'Clock World. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple iTunes and give us five stars to set that algorithm's ears tingling. You can email us, nick at radiobcc.com and please share us with your friends on social media. Six O'Clock Squeal is an independent production by Radio BCC.
powered by Riverside FM.